Today's podcast episode is an interview with my beautiful friend Elizabeth, and we'll be talking all about the importance of saying no in order to say yes to the things that will further grow your business. If you haven't yet listened to episode number 16, I talked all about specializing and how specializing will truly help your business grow. But a huge step in specializing is by learning to say no to the work you no longer want to take on. A quick reminder to please leave a review on this podcast if you enjoy these episodes. Reviews help this podcast get seen, and also every month I'll be buying three of you guys coffee for doing so. Just my little way of saying thank you. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you screenshot and share on your Instagram so that Elizabeth and I know you loved it. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation today. Welcome to the Let's Be Honest About Business podcast. If you're anything like me, then you strive for us all to be honest with where we're at in our business rather than putting on a front. You can expect to hear about struggles and successes to everything in between from myself and others in business. I'm your host, Morgan, and through being honest with what I've struggled with, I'll be sharing practical tips on how to get out of your slumps and run the business of your dreams regardless of where you're at. Whether you're driving in your car or sipping coffee on your couch, I hope you find this information valuable. Let's hang out. My next guest is a friend of mine who I actually went to high school with. However, through the years, I've had the opportunity of reconnecting with her because of our businesses. She's a co-host of the awesome podcast called the Biz Bash Podcast. She's an amazing calligrapher designing custom luxury wedding invitations for couples all over the country. And today's topic is all about defining our no's in businesses for better yeses. Please welcome Elizabeth from Eliza and Calligraphy. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on today. How are you doing? I'm doing so well, and gosh, that was just like the nicest introduction. I wish my elevator speech for myself was that good. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, Whenever we talk about going to high school together, it's like the funniest thing for me to talk about because that feels so long ago. And because, you know, we've talked about it before, like different groups of friends, but like also we are aware of each other. I mean, we had a big class of students, but (laughs) I'm just so glad that afterwards we got to actually connect and become friends. And obviously becoming friends later in life is much better, I think, than friends in high school anyways. (laughs) Oh, I totally agree. I think in high school, you're like, it's just such an awkward stage in life and it's very clicky obviously and not to say that either of us were in clicks but you know we had our own friend group and like you said we're aware of each other but it's so interesting when you grow up and mature it's you there's more to talk about it's you can be more mature about the conversations that you have and just the fact that we have businesses it's something that you and I can relate on and so it's been really fun reconnecting and you know, getting to know each other this year. So yeah, I love it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we have a really fun topic today, but before you dive in, I really want our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. I love getting personal on this podcast. So um, why don't you tell everyone first a little bit about yourself, what you do for work, how you got started, all of that. Oh man. Um, (laughs) I was always artistic growing up or just creative I guess um so I remember like painting uh we painted like Monet's bridge like famous bridge painting in like first grade or something like that and all of the students had theirs displayed in the hallway for the art fair and somebody offered to buy mine um and my parents were like no (laughs) so um 
yeah, they wanted to like pay $10 for it. And my dad was like, yeah, we're going to go and frame it and like put it in our own house. But thanks. No, thanks. I mean, which is hilarious too, because we always talk in this industry about not copying and yet in like first grade, you know, we're all painting Monet's painting. Um, But I've just always had this love for paper too. Like if the tape in the uh, paper from the printer were missing and the scissors were gone out of my mom's like office drawer. She knew it was me because I was cutting stuff up, taping things back together, um, always doing really hands-on activities. And that's just how I've always been. And then my dad is an entrepreneur and has started multiple business endeavors. So I was really blessed to grow up with a business figurehead in my family because not everybody has that. Um, So I was able to soak up a lot of information from him. I'm actually surprised sometimes by how much I did soak up because remembering, you know, myself as a kid or any of us as kids, like how much are we really listening to our parents? Um, (laughs) But I managed to come away with like quite a bit. And by the time I was in college, I kind of knew, and this is so funny because my husband said it to me yesterday too. He was like, you would have found a way to be self-employed eventually. Like it doesn't matter what life of path you are on or what your financial status was or anything. Like you would have found a way to do it. And I was like, that's totally right. Because by the time I was in college, I think I was kind of already coming up with ideas of if I have a business, what will it be? What will I do? Um, And then Instagram got really big when we were first in college. So I guess like 2011, was when Instagram was first introduced, where it had all those like terrible, horrible filters that people used all the time. Um, But then that's when I started seeing this huge surge in calligraphy and calligraphers, that there were people out there doing something like that for work. And I had always been complimented on my handwriting growing up. And don't get me wrong, you don't have to have good handwriting to be able to do calligraphy, but I had always been complimented on mine. And so I was really interested in learning calligraphy. But since I was left-handed, I thought I couldn't do it because everyone I saw doing it was right-handed and all these pens and these like fountain pen sets that I had been given growing up by family members as gifts never worked for me. But I didn't realize it was because they were for right-handed people Um, because different types of calligraphy are conducive to different um, hands when it comes to writing. But once I discovered pointed pen calligraphy, I realized it's not biased. And I realized as a lefty, I could figure it out. So I just started buying as much calligraphy, like ink and nibs and pen holders and all this stuff as I could. And I remember I like had my corner of like the bottom floor of the townhouse I had in college, which I shared with six other girls. There were seven of us like crammed in this townhouse. Mm -hmm. I had my own little corner where I would like do my calligraphy and practice because I was so motivated to be able to to do that for work. Uh, And so that really would have been the fall of 2014 when I started that. And then I got married the fall of 2015, um, moved across the country to Georgia because my husband's grad school is out here. And worked for a year in a day job for a real estate boutique that I just, I hated my job. It wasn't the right fit for me. Um, I didn't like my boss. (laughs) There were so many different contributing factors. So a year into that, so it would have been like a year into marriage, a year into living in Georgia. I said, I'm done. I put in my two weeks notice and I was like, I'm doing this thing. I'm going full-time with my own business. So September, 2016, that's when I went full-time and that's kind of my 
collective story, I guess, of like a culmination of all these things to getting to where I am today. Hopefully that wasn't too long. <laughs> no, I love that. And I think that is so important to note that you hated your job so much that you you made a way basically for yourself to go full-time into calligraphy. And obviously you worked on your business before you went full-time and you had a plan. But um, but I think that's really important to note that, you know, for anyone listening that if you, um, if, if you will find a way, if you, if you really want to make it happen, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, self-motivation is a huge part of being self-employed. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. You have to be self-motivated in order to be successful as a business owner. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, so I want to kind of transition our topic today. Um, yeah. Before we do, I'm so excited about what we have to talk about. Um, but before we do, I want to open up with a with you sharing an honest moment of the week. Um, because this is a let's be honest about business podcast, I'm all about keeping it real here. So I'm wondering if you can share your honest moment of the week or maybe the past month. So something that you maybe have struggled with or um, you know, have had to kind of overcome in business. Yeah. Oh man. I think like honest moment for me right now, and hopefully Cami is cool with me talking about this, is that as Biz Birthday Bash has grown, um, <laughs> we're trying to figure out how to like manage the Biz Birthday Bash business part of it all because it's a partnership and that's different than what we're used to as sole proprietors. And our partnership is awesome. Like we get along super well, but we spent like a ton of time this morning talking about like, okay, bookkeeping and um, joint bank account and like all these things that you have to get started to get in place for a business which is so funny because we've been doing Biz Birthday Bash for like a couple years now. (laughs) So that's my honest moment is that it's like, sometimes I think you get so caught up in what you're doing and we love what we're doing that we didn't even like realize how big it would get to like put the foundational stuff in place. So, and that kind of speaks to the, there's this whole like, unfun side of having your own business quote unquote where it's a lot of like numbers and figuring things out and making sure that you're you know adhering to the law and you're not gonna get in trouble for anything um so yeah that's probably like the behind the scenes that no one would see like conversations of like what bank do we use to open an account in the struggle of we live in different states and you have to be together to open a joint account and like all these (laughs) things that we're trying to uh, work out. But that's kind of like the first one that comes to mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I would imagine too, running a business with your friend is you, you obviously want to be really respectful of each other as well. And so, you know, figuring that out is it's definitely something that you're having to navigate versus running a business on your own where you can just do whatever you want and figure it out on your own it's yeah I would imagine it's a lot different (laughs) yeah it is we we're really blessed like we joke all the time that like God kind of put us together as this partnership because there's really very little we ever disagree on if anything um (laughs) it's just like you're right it's like you want to go about doing things the right way and you're like well what is the right way when I've never done it before I feel like every entrepreneur struggles with that I've, I've I've never done this before I've never experienced this like 
who, how did so-and-so do it? Or how should I go about it? Like a lot of questions. Like I still have questions all the time. Like I think sometimes when people look at people um, with well, quote unquote, well-established businesses, they think they have it all figured out and it's just not true. Like I'm learning things every day. (laughs) Oh, totally. Any business owner is going to learn as they go. No one has it all figured out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, okay, we're going to transition into the topic we have for today, which is all about defining our no's to get to our yeses. And the idea of saying no, especially as a new business owner, can be somewhat scary, especially when we don't have a lot of work on the, ca- on the calendar. Um, you know, we would maybe tend to take anything and everything that comes in. But I want to talk about why it's important to know what it is that we need to say no to and stick to it. So, and the reason I, I have asked you to come on is because I can see that in your business. You've, especially in the last year, um, really narrowed down what your no's are and what your yeses are. So would you mind talking a little bit about that? Why, what is it? Why is it important to know what we have to say no to? And why is it also important to stick to that? Yeah, uh, for sure. This is something that I love talking about, actually. And Cammie and I talked about it on our podcast, too, because, gosh, it's just hard for us as creatives to say no, (laughs) to put that boundary in place and to understand why we're saying no and and to be protective of our time. Um, I think we feel this obligation, especially as new business owners, to say yes to everything. And to be quite honest, sometimes that's just where you have to start. Um, Because when I started out, I was doing wood signs, I was doing house portraits, I was doing uh, custom calligraphy quotes, you know, on like an eight by 10, I was doing calligraphy vows, I was writing on ribbon, I was doing like everything under the sun. And like for more, for you, Morgan, I know I did those huge uh, vows on the wood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is funny, because after I did those for you, I was so glad you had them, but I vowed to never do them again. (laughs) Because it was like, you don't realize how long something will take you until you do it for the first time. And I was like, okay, well, these are beautiful. I love how they turned out. Like Morgan and her husband will love them and will take so much joy in them. But like, that's a no for me going forward. Because you have to figure out like the weight of your time with something too. Um, So that's just like a funny example that like makes me laugh because I love seeing them in all your pictures because they're always in the background. And I'm like, oh man, like that was, you know, one of those moments of my journey where I realized like, okay, like now I kind of have a better concept of like at that point, I didn't want to do vows at all. Like not even on paper or anything, because Mm -hmm. if you make one mistake when you write something out, like you're doomed. You have to start over, Um, especially on paper with like the wood for years, I probably could have sanded it down and done it again. Um, But that was super, super early on in my business. And the first year was just all about like experimenting and taking whatever. But as soon as I did a project and I didn't see it being feasible or profitable for the future, or I didn't enjoy it, that's when I said no. And I put my foot down too. And that's what people have a hard time doing is like, so let's say you do uh, offer house portraits and you make a lot of money doing house portraits, but you hate it. And so people have a hard time cutting it out because they're like, well, it's paying the bills. But the reality is you have to make room for the things you love because that's what's going to make your business thrive. So I actually, I still continued to do wedding signage and day of wedding goods for 
two years into my business and at the end of 2018, so just a couple of months ago, I announced I was like, I'm done doing wedding signage. Um, this is something I don't see is allowing me to have more growth in my business going forward. And like you said, I really niched down. Like this year is about either custom wedding invitations or a la carte envelope calligraphy and biz birthday bash, like my, the other business that I have. And niching down that far has taken a long time, but it's been worth it. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way because I'm so much happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you make a good point. You know, when we're first, especially when we're first starting out, we want to take anything and everything. And if there's something that really, um, you know, has causes us to make a lot of money and, and, but we absolutely hate it. So we want to say no to it's, it's a really hard thing to um, overcome at first when we're really trying to niche down. but I think in the in the end, our clients can tell too when we do something that doesn't fulfill us. And so that also, you know, relays back to the client and makes for a poor client experience. So um, what are some things that you've personally said no to in your business? Um, well, one of the things I say no to, like absolutely say no to anymore is styled shoots. Um because I spent a lot of time doing like free collaboration with other creatives and a lot of them were great experiences, but at the end of the day, there was no return in investment. There was literally none. I never got a referral from a single styled shoot. And I feel like 2017 for me was like the year of styled shoots. And then I had that aha moment of, okay, I might be on a cool publication online, but if this is not bringing me clients, this is not worth my time. So like, that's one thing that's a hard no for me and a very obvious no. Um, as since I'm in the South, I get asked a lot to inscribe names in Bibles and I'm like, yeah, sorry. Like I don't do that. You should find a friend with nice handwriting because <laughs> it's not worth my time and it's not worth your money to pay me to do that. So those are just a couple examples. Mm. How how do you think having narrowing down your yeses has helped your business? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, like my balance of time is awesome because I'm like, okay, for client projects, I understand exactly what I have going on for what client because I only have one or two types of projects. Um And most of the time it's custom wedding invitations. And when you have your process in place for something like that, it makes it easier to schedule things, to manage your time, to understand as opposed to having 10 different types of projects, completely custom, completely unrelated to one another with different processes happening at once. So it makes you a lot more efficient (laughs) Mm -hmm. to niche down and just like pick a couple of things you're really interested in. Um, and then second of all, I'm just like not spending time doing stuff that I hate. (laughs) That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, so the, it's really hard. I, again, we're going back to being a new business owner to know what it is that we need to say no to in order to help grow our business. Mm -hmm. And you had alluded to the fact that when you're first starting out, sometimes that's just what you have to do, which I agree. I mean, I'll, I'll just speak on my experience as a wedding photographer. I didn't know 
you know, that I loved weddings until I had photographed everything, you know, Mm -hmm. I had to photograph babies and families and seniors and, and weddings and all of that to get to what I do now, which is just weddings. But how can our listeners clarify what it is that they need to say no to and, and how can they do it in a way that they understand that what they say no to and what they say yes to is going to grow their business? Yeah, I, there's a couple different ways. So the first part of that question is like, how do you even figure out what to say no to? And to that, I, my response is you have to listen to your gut. Like when you're in the middle of a project or you can't even get yourself to start something because you dread it so much, that needs to be shelved away, like right away. You need to finish that project and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because if it doesn't spark joy, to quote Marie Kondo, (laughs) then there's no point in keeping it around. You got to throw that out. Um, Pass it on to someone else, you know, find someone in your creative circle that does it, let them have those. Um, And then there's that evaluation of kind of like how I was talking about earlier of profit and knowing what makes you money and what doesn't. So for example, a la carte envelope calligraphy is awesome for me because they bring me the envelopes and I just sit down and I use my time and my ink, my few calligraphy materials I have to do the job and it's done. I'm not supplying anything, sourcing anything. They're dropping them off, bringing them to me. So in terms of my time and my investment on that, I, I'm making a lot. Um, there's not like my, my net profit is awesome because there's hardly any expense involved with that. I just have to be efficient with my time. Um, and the same thing goes for custom wedding invitations because I charge a higher design fee. That's where I'm making my money. Um, and I also upcharge on materials too. There's a whole pricing structure for custom wedding invitations, but a great example of this would be like, Oh gosh, now I'm going to blank, of course. Oh, the best example is probably that when I was doing wedding signage, so things like seating charts, welcome signs, custom wood signs, custom sizes, by the end of the day, when you looked at how much time I spent on every one of those and divided it, you know, by like how much you want to be making per hour or whatever, how much, sorry, how much you got paid for the project divided by the hours you spent, (laughs) you find out how much you made per hour and it's kind of devastating. You're like, wow, okay, so this is making me no money. Like it's beautiful and more people are going to want to make, you know, they're going to want me to make it for them. But if you charge, it's almost hard because if you charge higher for stuff like that, you're pricing yourself almost out of the market And then it gets harder to find people to come to you. So for me, I was like, this I need to let go of. I'm not competing with the people here with my pricing for wedding signage. I know I'm a lot higher. And even though I'm higher, I still don't think it's worth my time. So it's a little bit of a math, a little bit of your gut. You got to kind of like use both of them to determine your yeses and your noes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so let's say you're, let's say there's someone who's listening who's maybe a calligrapher, and they want to market to the potential clients so that potential clients know exactly what it is that they offer, but they're starting to say no to some things and yes to others. How do we repel and attract more of the people that we want to say yes to? That is such a great question. (laughs) The first thing is stop posting the stuff on social media, your website, anywhere that you're posting pictures of your work. 
stop posting it if you don't want to do it anymore. So I see this trend all the time that people are like, oh my gosh, I get asked all the time to do pet portraits. I don't want to do them anymore. And I'm like, well, you realize your website portfolio and your Instagram feed are 50% pet portraits, right? Like that's what people think you're doing. Um, so you got to cut that stuff out. Um, and you got to post more of what you want. And so this is a bit of a catch 22 because sometimes people are like, well, I'm not getting hired for what I want to do. And my answer to that, to that is go out and make it literally just make something for yourself that's an example of what you want to be doing in the future and take a bunch of pictures of that and post it it doesn't have to be work for a client I think people get really hung up on that Mm -hmm. yeah because then they're like well I'm not getting paid for it or you know it's maybe not worth my time but it's like well if if that's what you want to do then you uh, you have to create more of that so um and you can honestly create like you know as as a wedding photographer, you can literally market yourself as a photographer with just one wedding, you know, and, and I'm sure the same goes for invitations or pet portraits or, you know, whatever it is that anyone wants to specialize in. So I 100% agree with that. Uh, what are some of the rep- repercussions about or what are, yeah, what are some repercussions when we say yes to something that we should have said no to as a business owner? Uh, you end up resenting yourself, the project and the client. So it's a bad thing for everybody. Like I remember when I, uh, last year, gosh, early 2018, I took on just one more logo client. I was like, I'm going to do just one more before I cut this out of my business. And that was the worst decision of all time. It was by far the worst experience I've had with the client for many reasons because of things. And then um, it was like the worst experience for me too, because I didn't want to be doing it. Um, She needed more like attention and assistance that than I felt like I could provide. It was just a weird, bad relationship and all could have been avoided if I had just stuck to my gut and said no to that. And then the other crappy thing is if you're stuck doing a project that you hate, and you're booked doing projects you hate, then where the heck are you going to put the projects that you want to say yes to if you don't have time to do them? So that's why it's scary to sometimes turn something away if you're like, well, I have time to do it. But seriously, don't let yourself get caught up in that. You got to say, you got to stick to your gut. You got to say no, because you're waiting for that next, that next best thing, (laughs) that thing that you need to have in your business that you want to say yes to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. Um, <laughs> so, and I think we've all had those experiences where we've, you know, maybe worked with clients who we've absolutely loved and then clients who we just didn't connect with, or it just was a bad experience all around. And then we're questioning, wait, why does, why does this happen? Why did I get one client from the opposite end of the spectrum? And then mm-hmm. this other client and how, how can I get more of this client that I love? So that's that's really good. Um, I think there's, uh, when we choose to specialize, it, it can be kind of scary at first. Um, you know, when we choose to say no to certain things and only yes to one or two things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think oftentimes there's an idea that there's maybe not enough work to go around. Um, so what is one way to get past the fear of scarcity when we only want to say yes to one or a few things? 
Okay, so I have a lot of things to say about this topic, (laughs) mainly because like scarcity mindset, like sure, you can let yourself believe, anyone listening can let themselves believe that the market is saturated, quote unquote, but when I go out in public or I'm at a party hanging out with people, maybe I haven't met some of them before and I tell them that I'm a calligrapher and I run in creative circles with people that do wedding photography and stuff, most of the time they look at me like I've sprouted a pair of horns because they're like, (laughs) what does that even mean to run your own creative business? I've never met a calligrapher. I've never met anyone who does custom wedding imitations. Like, honestly, we get stuck in this habit of thinking the market is saturated because all of us are looking at Instagram all day and all the people we follow are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like it's like the frog sitting in the middle of the pond surrounded by all the other frogs and that's all he can see because we get on Instagram every day and that's all we can see, but that's not what the rest of the world sees on a daily basis. So when they find someone like us, they're finding a unicorn. So you have to remember that niching down can be so helpful Because once they've found you and once they see how obvious it is what you do and what you offer and how it can help them, then that's going to be so much easier of a buy and easier of a hire. Um, If you're doing too many things, I think you almost risk confusion when people come to your website or Instagram. And so they're like, okay, I don't really know exactly what this person does. So like an example of this is my Instagram lately. I'm trying to just make it pictures of invitations, which is hard because sometimes I don't feel like I have enough to post, (laughs) but I don't want to be putting anything else out there. I want it to be super obvious when you get on my page that that's what I do and that's what I offer. And I don't know if I've like rabbit trailed or got off topic, but really it's just that you've got to stick and adhere like to your style what you're loving and what you're doing. And you got to put those blinders on sometimes. It's like hard not to peek over someone else's shoulder and like sneak and see what they're doing. And, and it's hard not to feel insecure about that stuff too when it's in front of us all day. For sure. I always tell people who are running a business that you need to create before you consume. So, you know, anytime you're working in a given work day to you know, do your work, do whatever it is that you have to do for the day. You know, maybe it's just one or two things that are on your top priority list of priorities. But then after that, you can go and then consume and support other people in your industry. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're constantly consuming yourself with things that people are doing, especially if they're doing the exact same thing, it can be, it can get really easy to then become super bogged down. Um, and then also going back to your point on, you know, when people, the fact that you could do so many things, people can get confused at what it is that you actually do. I think that's so true. You know, if you introduce yourself, you know, as uh, let's say a, a family photographer and senior photographer and baby photographer and then wedding photographer, then, you know, then that will not distinguish you and set you apart from the rest. So then when people go to talk about you, you know, when they, when they think of you and the services that you offer and they go to refer you, they're not going to know what to say about you because they're just going to be like, oh, well, this person's a photographer or this, this person's a calligrapher, but they don't know exactly what it is that you do. Um, so those are two really, really good points. Um, 
What is something that you're currently working on that you're super excited about? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, I have a couple things. Um, Cami and I just launched, I hope this is okay to talk about, but we just launched our A to Z directory for fellow artists and creatives who are looking for reputable vendors, uh, because that's a really big pain point for people. So the past like couple weeks to month, we've been working really hard on this. So that's a big, exciting thing that we launched this week and people are joining because it's a membership and they have access to this list right away. So that's been super fun. Um, in terms of client work, I mean, I have three awesome brides right now with three very different invitations. I have one girl getting married in May. It's a Catholic wedding in a church. It's very classic and timeless and traditional. And then I have one girl getting married in Cincinnati and we're doing gold foil on her suite. It's very like Gatsby-esque, kind of that retro feel, but still a little bit of modern with some florals. And then I have my last bride who is getting married in the Redwoods in California. So like woodsy, rustic, romantic. So I'm so excited because it's three invitation suites that are totally down my alley, but also totally different. And that just gets me like, oh, it just gets me so excited to like work every day when I get to come to something I love. (laughs) That's so awesome. Well, I'm sure you're going to be posting pictures about that on Instagram. So you yes. see all of them. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Elizabeth. This is awesome. And I'm sure that everything you've said will help our listeners. Where can everyone go and find you and follow you and keep up with what you're doing? Yeah. So I'm Eliza Ann Calligraphy on Instagram. And it's E-L-I-S-A-A-N-N-E. So people say Elisa Ann all the time. Um, I say Eliza Ann because I'm Elizabeth with an S. I don't know. It's this whole thing. So (laughs) Eliza Ann Calligraphy on Instagram. Or if you do want to follow my more educational account that I have with my business partner, we are Biz Birthday Bash on Instagram. So those are the two places you can find me most. And all my other handles match as well, whether it's Pinterest or my website, um, whatever. I'm also Eliza Ann Calligraphy on there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. It was so great to have you and I cannot wait for this episode to air and I can't wait for everybody to learn from you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really loved it. Thanks so much for listening. For more information or to learn a little bit more about me and my brand, you can follow me on Instagram at Lady Ilg. That's L-A-D-Y-I-L-G. Or visit LadyIlgPhotography.com. If you have any questions you'd like me to answer for you on a future episode, simply email me at Morgan at LadyIlgPhotography.com with your question, and I'd love to answer it for you. Your questions are encouraged and welcome. I look forward to showing up on another episode soon.